The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. We thought we had a chance for a special podcast. Two two wins, two teams playing at the same time. Didn't happen with the Phillies, but the Eagles improved to 8-0 with a 29-17 win over the Texans. Phillies dropped game five of the World Series face elimination Saturday night. Oh my gosh, first time I said that. Those words coming out of my mouth, that's that's becoming very real. Here's what we're going to do. I'm Shiel Kapate. I'm joined by Ben Solak. We're going to talk Eagles in the first segment, then take a little break. Then I'm going to come back and talk Phillies in the second segment. Benjamin Solak, how was your evening? How are you feeling? Pretty good. I, I There were some scary moments there. I This was one of the first weeks that I muttered to, to my wife, Mare, if the Eagles lose to the Texans. Uh, I'm not going to be a pleasant person to be around the next few days. But then we were again. It was okay. Uh, once again, another comfortable multi-score victory. Never sweated, not even once. And then yeah, I put on the Phillies to... game. And then that yeah. was not as good. I was sweat. I mean, the, the knots in the stomach during these playoff baseball games like I haven't felt this as a viewer in a very long time. But, uh, you know, the Eagles, I'm curious to hear how like the fan base reacts to this game because I, I think you're right in the moment you're going what are the, what's going on in the first half they're tied at halftime 14-14 how are they letting this team hang around and I'm sure there's going to be some of that feeling coming off of this game and then you look at it at the end and like you mentioned they won by 12 points like it's hard to win by 12 points regardless uh, of the opponent they're 8-0 even if it was a bit of a letdown game you win it you win it comfortably. You have the ball at the end. So I think it'll probably be different for the offense and the defense. But let's just get into it. Let, let's talk about the offense. Uh, first of all, 
I mean, pretty much doing whatever they wanted for most of this game. Some issues, some negative plays in there for sure that we hadn't seen in previous weeks. But man, 360 yards of offense, 24 first downs, their third best offensive performance of the season in terms of EPA per drive. They put together three drives of 70 plus yards. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts, very efficient as a passer. I mean, I was watching uh, both games as I was explaining to you, and I swear every time I looked uh, at the the Eagles, like there was somebody running wide open uh, in the passing game who he was hitting. I didn't look at the numbers. It didn't feel like a lot of tightly contested throws. Uh, What was your takeaway? Obviously, Dallas Goddard had a monster game, which you predicted in our uh, preview pod last week. Uh, What are your takeaways with the Eagles offense from this performance? Yeah, so that first note, uh, guys running open in the intermediate area of the field, absolutely. Uh, Great job throwing the football against cover two zone for for Jalen Hurts. Uh, Next-gen stats passes more than 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, Hurts had 11 such attempts completed nine of them, including one touchdown, two interceptions. Wow. Great day throwing the football in the intermediate area of the field, layering throws between zone. He did it on the move to his right, did it on the move to his left, did it in structure, did it out of structure. Very mature day throwing the football from Jalen Hurts, 21 for 27, 243 and two touchdowns. Uh, It always is, you know, except mature day, good day. It's not like tight windows, you know what I'm saying? Like that A.J. Brown touchdown was like, all right, pitch and catch. But taking what you got and understanding where the spaces are going to be in the zone, how the routes are going to clear stuff out, right? Like, are they going to run cover two? We're going to run sail or run Y cross. And we're going to get the stuff that we want pretty much with, 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 with ease. Right. Uh, worth noting, it did take four sacks. Usually Jan hurts a very low sack player, four sacks in this game, uncomfortable in the pocket. The Texans did a better job than I think I, uh, anybody expected in terms of heating him up, moving him off their spot. Their pass rush had a good day certainly four sacks period, but also just kind of like generally creating some pressure and moving Hurts around. Uh, and so mixed bag in terms of managing the pocket, a couple of those sacks are because he dropped his eyes, right? He could have thrown the football away, could have done more to, to get rid of it, but it's kind of the, the, the double-edged sword that you run. So a good day from Jalen Hurts in that regard. And then, yeah, Dallas Goddard. Um, he's a very good football player, man. I mean, just yeah. like at this point now, uh, Next Gen Stats has Goddard with over 130 receiving yards over expectation which is basically just saying, hey, you know those Goddard screens? Other tight ends get seven yards. Goddard gets like 15. Uh, only Travis yeah. Kelsey right now has more receiving yards over expectation among tight ends than, than Dallas Goddard does. So again, like in terms of, of how tight ends are playing in the league right now, we said this on the previous show, it's Kelsey one, and then Goddard's in the conversation for two, if not just straight two. So a huge game for him there. Uh, and then, man, the, uh, you know, we knew this was going to happen. We saw this, this, this Texans run defense. We saw what it looked like against, uh, the Titans. They were run blitzing. They were more aggressive. They were shooting gaps up front, short yardage. They're firing on all cylinders. They really did not want to get embarrassed the way they did against the Titans. They did not want that to happen again. And it didn't, but Miles Sanders, 17 for 93 in a touchdown. Sanders looked good, ripped off multiple explosives. Eagles were running gap gap stuff, right? Pulling guys. I tweeted during the game, Landon Dickerson. I mean, we're getting to the point where it's no longer like, oh, he looks good. We're getting to the point where it's like, I'm trying to think of guards who are playing better than Landon right now. It's like six of them. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, this is like a legitimate like Pro Bowl caliber season. Keep this rolling. We're looking at like, is he going to push for like second team all pro sort of stuff? Like this has been a really, really good season for Landon. Uh, and he was, they, they were running off the left side of that line with a lot of success. Uh, and Sanders was the beneficiary of that. So great work in the running game. Goddard, the feature of the passing game against these zone heavy teams. Uh, Jalen Hurts throw the ball wonderfully. A little heavy on the sacks. And then also the fumble, which uh, that was a very odd drive, their fumble drive. I don't know if you remember it. They were 
Uh, it was the second drive of the game. Uh, seven seven forces uh, force a punt, get the ball back, and they go hurry up, no huddle. Eleven personnel: AJ Brown, Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Jack Stoll. Goddard. They were going hurry up, no huddle, and Goddard was not on the field at all. This was the leading receiver for the game. Uh, Maybe he had to poop like DK Metcalf. I was about, like, I I was about to say, that. whenever something like this happens, <laughs> my first theory is always bathroom break. Uh, as it is, they're in the hurry up. They go to snap. The, they get two explosive plays, right? Uh, a quick uh, quick pass to A.J. Brown. Turns up field, runs for 30 yards. And then a scramble drill throw, Devontae Smith, 22-yard gain. They go from there, 20 to the Houston 27. Hurry up to the line, pistol, set, set, set. Hurry, 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 go. The snap is off from the timing. The offensive line moves. Nobody else moves. Jack Stoll doesn't block yeah. somebody. Immediate strip sack. And you're like, wow, I wonder if that were Dallas Goddard. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where you're, 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 you're watching. You're like, that's kind of weird. He's not out there. And then, of course, Stoll ends up like making the same mistake every other skill position player made. And you're like, if that were Dallas Goddard, he would have known, <laughs> which isn't true at all. Yeah. Um, but so you had the sacks. You had the fumble. A little bit more mistake-heavy game from Jalen Hurts on, on some of that stuff, but overall, still a positive day and, and 29 points in the offense. Good day in the office. The sacks uh, you mentioned, I don't know if you were able to tell watching live. I It looked a couple like that that one drive, I think the first drive of the second half. Did my lotta get beat uh, a couple times? Was there more to those? Could you tell watching live? I wasn't mm-hmm. sure, but I just looked up twice, and I think it was Jerry Hughes getting him there uh, on, the, on the left yeah. side. So wonderful uh, same brain from the Schwartz brothers, Mitchell Schwartz and Jeff Schwartz, because on there was okay. one sack where Jordan Mylotta thought they were running draw, and they weren't, and so he's just like, mental mistake. And both of the Schwartz brothers independently tweeted out, pretty sure Mylotta thought that was a draw there. And then later in the game, <laughs> Mylotta just got straight beat. And both of them tweeted out, no, that was him getting beat. That wasn't a draw. There was the exact gotcha. same thing. Okay. So you All love right. when offensive line Twitter is in is in consensus on that one. Yes. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, the second sack blew right past me, right? That was so immediate. I, I felt like I didn't understand what was going on there. The first one to me also, like I thought that, yeah, that he thought they were in like a draw call or in some sort of quarterback run call and it was, and it was mistaken. Uh, so... Overall, like there were some weird moments in terms of the line not being on the correct call and the cadence being off. They're on the road, so understandable. They're also playing Houston on a Thursday night. There were a lot uh, of Eagles fans there. Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> that was the most challenging environment, but like just something to keep an eye yeah. on, right? If you're going to be a very heavy gun shotgun team, you got to make sure you're good on your cadence and stuff like that. Dallas Goddard right now, 521 receiving yards, second among tight ends now some some tight ends have played eight games some have played seven games uh but he's just 32 yards behind uh travis kelsey now kelsey hasn't played his eighth game but mark andrews has and he's got uh more than him so yeah just having a, an absolute monster season i was just looking at next gen stats they have this uh you know aggressiveness index which measures tight window throws based on the chips in the shoulders and right now it's showing that Hertz didn't attempt one now I don't know if that's will get updated more but it just has two dashes for his uh, aggressiveness percentage Davis Mills 23% of his throws yeah, went to tight windows which is a high number well well above uh, league average so uh, yeah that, that's a pretty nice job of whenever you see a number that low it's a good job of scheming Play calling, quarterback knowing where to go, uh, receive pass catchers going to open space, whether they're separating or just finding the holes in the zone. But yeah, he was able to make uh, a lot of, I don't want to call them easy throws, but uh, throws that were not tight coverage uh, against him. So that is absolutely nice. What else was I going to ask you? 
Oh, I was going to ask you about my lineup, but I, I already did. All right, anything else? So, so Miles Sanders goes 17 for 93, averages five and a half yards per carry, three drives of 70-plus yards. I mean, is there any – it seemed like they were running a lot of the stuff that they would usually run against a scheme like this. Yeah. No no major surprises watching live, right? Yeah, this is, this is what we talked about in terms of, like, why we thought it was a big day for Goddard is because it's a big RPO day, right? They had a couple bubbles, right, when they got their, like, blitz looks with the off cover on the zone. A lot of the intermediate throw was because they're just finding space between the levels of cover two, right? You're going to – Play with you know, put a receiver in the flat for flat control, pull that that corner down, then you're gonna run Quez Watkins down the field. That's what Quez does so well. But like, you know, I I was reflecting because there's a lot of big Quez game, a lot of Quez snaps. I was reflecting yeah. on how Quez just does not get thrown the football at all in this offense. I they know. just get it's him like off one the field. of the lowest rates in the NFL. Yep. Yeah. They get him on the field, he runs down the field, and then when they want to throw their third receiver, they put Zach Pascal on the field. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Uh, but anyways, run Quez, get some flat control, and then find somebody in the intermediate. Right. I said sale and I said why cross. The Eagles run very simple concepts. And when they think they're getting zone, they're gonna run sale, right? Clear out route, a corner route to the sideline, and a flat route, and they'll run white cross, which is basically sale, except the routes come from the other side of the field. And it ain't hard, man. I mean, they, they the Eagles are obstinate that they're going to run the simple stuff that works against the coverages that they expect, and they're going to be right more often than the other guys. And to that point, that's been correct. Another thing for that offense is five for ten on third downs, two for two on fourth downs. I mean, you know, you're, you you know you're well coached. You know you know what you're getting when you're converting at those rates against the opposing team. Texans uh, two for nine on third down against the Eagles defense. They're a well prepared team on a short week. Young coaching staff. That's an impressive job to to, to be ready for that sort of stuff coming in. Uh, you said Dallas got us at 571 receiving yards this year? 523, I think I said. 521. 521. He's at 521. Okay. So over yeah. a 17-game stretch, that's 1,100 receiving yards, which would be Whew. third on the all-time list. Ertz in 2018 wow. had 1163. Pete Retzlaff. Retzlaff. Yeah. And 1965, still with the record at 1190. For This is the Eagles tight end, single season. Yeah. Uh, so that's a... Uh, uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody stop. I edited the wrong number. 721? <laughs> five, 521 over eight games. 521. So I think your okay, number okay, was okay. right. I got it right. I got yeah. it right. I got it right. I know what I'm doing. I know how okay. math works. Yeah, right. so 521 over eight games. That's 65.1 uh, yards per game. So Goddard gets that up to about 70. He's looking at the uh, looking at pushing for that record. Yeah. He's been a monster, and he, you know, he's we we've talked so much about how AJ Brown is a problem solver. I mean, Goddard to a degree is a problem solver for them too. I mean, he does. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same player, it's not the same position, but a lot of those things. All right, we need something here. Throw throw a screen to uh, Goddard, or you know, get him the ball and let him break a tackle and produce an explosive play. All those things that you're right. Not a lot. I mean, it really is. Kel, I'm looking at just sort of the other tight ends here in the NFL you know Kittle at his best can do it Kelsey can obviously do it but a lot of these other guys uh, they're not going to be able to do that kind of thing with the ball in their hands so uh, he's averaging 8.7 yards after catch per reception yeah. which obviously some of that is you know it go, your advanced stats are better for this because you know if you get screens you're going to get yards after the catch but that's by far uh, number one among tight ends, I mean Travis Kelsey's at four point seven here. Nobody and else gets eight point seven. Yeah, nobody else gets gets. Yeah. Nobody else gets tight end screens, man. The Eagles have made a living off yeah. of. Oh, we've crossed the thirty. Might be time to call yeah. a tight end screen to Dallas Goddard. <laughs> and like eight weeks in, it's still working. Um, because still they, they you're so scared of the run game, and then you're so scared of the RPO game, and then you're so scared of the play action pass vertical game, right? Like you're the tight the Texans. The last film you watched, every time the Eagles got across the thirty, it was AJ Brown going vertical. 
So you get across the 30, you're, you're get deep, get, you know, get wide, watch out for these near pylons, watch out for these back shoulders. As you gain all that depth, you gain all that width, and you're worried about these receivers coming at you. Then all of a sudden the Eagles just throw it to a 255 pound plus athlete with three, 300 pound plus athletes in front of him. It's like, shoot. We forgot about that guy. Yeah. It's just so hard to deal with, with the levels of that stuff. So the Eagles love that tight end screen when they get into like long field goal range and it works them. Like when Goddard scored against Washington, it was on that play right around that, 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 that yard marker. They love that look. 13 yards per reception. That's first among, oh no, that's second among tight ends. TJ Hawkinson is first, but that's a healthy number for a tight end. Very efficient, has caught 80% of his targets. 29 first downs on 40 receptions. That's also uh, very efficient. So, yeah, he he is having an all-pro caliber year. I mean, I think if the season ended today, it could easily be Kelsey and Goddard as the first and second team all-pro tight end. So he has been fantastic. All right, let's take a little break. We'll come back. We will talk about the defense. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, we're back on the Ringer's Philly special. I'm very curious to hear your assessment of the defense. I'm curious to hear from the listeners whether they were annoyed, whether they think it's much ado about nothing. Uh, I tweeted a little bit uh, at halftime just about how the you know, the, the Texans had 64 yards through three quarters last week against the Tennessee Titans, and they had 182 yards and 11 first downs in the first half against the Eagles. So uh, part of me says very bad defensive performance. You gave up 20 first downs, 303 yards. It was one of the Texans' best offensive performances of the season. And then the other part of me says 
They gave up 17 points. They bounced back in the second half. They created a couple turnovers. Uh, you were watching it closer than I was. How were you feeling as you watched this uh, defense play tonight? Yeah, let's talk about this little, this little Titans, Texans, Eagles comparison. It feels like you're trying to backdoor a Jim Schwartz take in here. Because Jim Schwartz. Oh, no, I'm not. But I, I do like that. I saw Shane Bowen getting some love, and I was going, eh, how much is he? You know, it's just Jim Schwartz in his ear for these game plans. But no, I, I wasn't. But, I, you know, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Shane Bowen is the defensive coordinator, but Jim Schwartz has his fingerprints all over that defense. Uh, yeah. The So, the big question coming in, which is, you know, this is a first-world problem, 8-0 Eagles, but the big question coming in is no Jordan Davis. What happens? To start the first drive, the Eagles are in four-down stuff, right? 4-2-5. We've run this front before, and then they start getting into some run blitz looks. First snap of the game. DJ Edwards and Kaiser White straight down the line of scrimmage. We are we are we are blitzing. We're adding guys to the gaps. Fourth snap of the game. Avante Maddox off the side. It's on Reddick. Knife's inside. We're adding dudes. We're changing the front. So we're gonna live at a four down, but we're gonna bring bodies and then play man cover behind it. Play fire zone spacing behind it. Play with like six guys in coverage instead of seven. We're gonna add bodies to the run fit from the second level, and they're just getting diced. Like this is not working. Like that first drive, they're like they send Kaiser and and. And, and TJ right into, right into the line of scrimmage. Pierce finds daylight. It's like a nine-yard gain. Okay, so that's not going to work. So then they come out in their five-down front, and you and I were discussing, right? Remember, I was like, all right, who do you think it'll be? Like, I think maybe a little Javon Hargrave, and then you do Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams. Like, oh, that could be good. Maybe, you know, Marlon Tuipelotu will be the starting nose. Who we forgot was Marvin Wilson, who apparently was going to just – Called up today, yeah. Yep. Apparently, it's just activated a, today. A big part was just nose tackle two, and nobody told us he had 19 snaps in this game. That's like at the Eagles' defense total had uh, 57, 56 snaps. That's Jordan Davis rate, just yeah, off the practice squad. And Marvin is a is is a big guy, but he is not a a two gapping style player. He has always been an upfield style player, and so he was not good. Because he was firstly miscast, and secondly, he's not prepared for this. So then they start running the five down front with Marvin, and they get moved off the line. And then that that one drive, holy smokes, man! The 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 long touchdown drive, or actually, excuse me, the long field goal drive in, in the third play, quarter, sixty three yards. Yes, exactly. In the third quarter, they yeah. walked out with with Marvin Wilson, Marlon Tuipelotu, and Milton Williams as the as the line on the first play mm-hmm. on the first play of that drive. They get the uh, the the. Quick tackle, second and 14. Avante Mattis goes to jump the slant. Dave, uh, uh, Chris Moore, big catch and run after the slant. First and 10 on the 46. And then three-yard run, Damian Pierce. 10-yard run, Damian Pierce. Four-yard run, Damian Pierce. Six-yard run, Damian Pierce. Nine-yard run, Damian Pierce. Nine-yard run, Rex Burkhead. No, no yard <laughs> gain, Damian Pierce. It was Milton, Marlon Tupelo, two at three-tech, and Marvin at, at, at nose tackle. It was your and my nightmare. It was so it, they it just there is no resistance in that front. They were just getting bullied, right? And they're running, they're running gap power stuff. They're running counter. They're pulling guys. You, it, it's 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 stuff that works against the five man front. You just need one of your defensive tackles to make a play. Somebody's got to win on a block, and we'll be okay. And they're just going zero for three on every single one. So then eventually they get Marvin out of there. They put Tui Pelotu in at nose. They get Hargrave at three. That's not working. Tui Pelotu's getting moving, and finally they get Hargrave at nose, and they start to be okay. And then they then the rest of the time when they were in five down front it seemed like they were doing more Hargrave at nose stuff. Hargrave at nose, they don't put him like head up on the center. They put him as like a shade. They let him play one side. So it's a little bit cheesing. But it's gonna, it's gonna, it's the best thing that works for them right now. 
but like they came in and they were like, oh, we have something creative. Like, let's do some run blitz stuff. And it just didn't work. And then plan B was Marvin Wilson. I don't love that. I I liked plan A. I'm I, plan A was a good idea. I wish plan B had a little bit more thought in it than like the practice squatter who's never been a nose tackle before. This will go well for us. He, I cannot believe he played 19 snaps. The fact that they like, like if they had Jordan Davis tonight, he would have played 22 snaps. You drafted him 13, 14 overall. And yeah, they just overall. slid him right in there. Right, exactly. And then, yeah, Marvin, who's just a guy you didn't keep on the roster, right? You let him expose to cuts after training camp. He plays the same number of snaps. That drives me insane. Uh, honestly, that doesn't drive me. It doesn't drive me insane to to try that in this spot. Honestly, it's it's not like you're doing this with a corner. It's like, all right, big boy nose tackle. Can you hold up in there? You know, maybe no, we've no, liked no, what we've no, seen. No, 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 no. Well, See, ma- I, ma- this is maybe where, we this like what we've seen from you in eye. practice. Maybe we like what we've seen from you uh, in practice. This team is probably not going to beat us. We're two touchdown favorites. We'll give it something. Now, maybe 19 is too many. Maybe they could have adjusted quicker. Uh, like you said, I, I again, I did not see uh, every Marvin Wilson snap in here. I don't have a problem trying a couple different uh, different options to fill in for Jordan Davis here. You disagree. So I. What do you think they should have done off the bat? So, Just Hargrave. Uh, right. So I think like the run blitz was a good idea. I would have liked to have seen more okay. Hargrave at at nose tackle. I'm fine with him not being head up. You can put him in a gap, and then you could run stunt and game and stuff. I thought they would game a lot more, which they like kind of are doing with the run blitz stuff, but you're still costing a body in uh, pass defense. Like I think you can like get into your four down stuff and then like pick a side of the front and slant it. And, and then be able to have the, 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 the nickel come in and play the run off that side, which is like college stuff. I understand it's college stuff. But like Vic, Vic Fangio does that sort of stuff in this front. And this is a Vic Fangio-inspired defense. It's borrowing from Vic. And I think you have to do those sort of things. Now, I hear you on the Marvin Wilson thing in the sense of like, I don't mind trying it. You're 7-0. You need to find a solution. And it's the Houston Texans. That I get. The, You're saying he's not that kind of player. Yeah, he's not that kind of player. The yeah. the idea of like, well, it's just a big guy, nose tackle. No, 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 no. Like that's where like you you always do this when it comes to the defensive tackle stuff. <laughs> I disagree. It like you like, oh, it's different than a corner. It is, however, like you, it, when 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 you express your 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 frustration with this Gannon defense, you say like, all right, if you, if you lose a nose tackle who plays twenty snaps and it breaks your whole defense, is that really a good defense, right? Which is a useful construction. The thing is, is that like it does. Because the whole point of this player is he gets us to third and seven. And then third and seven is where the defense wins. It doesn't matter who's on the field. Like this player gets us to the down where we are at the advantage, where we can dictate. And then our good players can go make good plays. Without this player on first down, we don't get to get to third and seven. We get to third and four, and then we're always playing on the back foot. And while that may seem like counterintuitive relative to like a top 15 pick not playing all three snap, all all three downs... The idea is that, like, all right, like if you lose a Nick Bosa, then you have to replace Nick Bosa on all three downs. If you lose a Jordan Davis, you just have to find a way to get into good run calls on first and 10, to get a good stop on first and 10, to get back into your defense that you were already kicking butt with on second and long and third and long. You've been doing that all year with Jordan Davis just on the bench. So you, you, your second and long stuff is good. Your third and long stuff is good. You just have to find a way to replace him on first down. And I think, like, trying the run blitz stuff is good. I understand that. And, like, the sample size I'm working off of right now is like three plays. Might go back and watch the film and see that, oh, they had actually two stops in, 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 in this run blitz stuff. That's really nice. That's great. So there's the stuff to work on here. 
But it, it, it's okay to have a player that only plays on first down be such a centerpiece because one, the skill set is really difficult to replicate. There's like, there are more, there are way more penetrating, pass rush, one gap, three technique, defensive tackles, and there are Jordan Davis, Vita Vea, run stopping, two gapping nose tackles in the world. This is a rarer skill set, number one. Number two, you, 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 on defense, you have to like play the tendency. You have to say, okay, on first and 10, we're going to get into our run stopping stuff because we think we're going to get run from the Houston Texans. And when we do, and we get to second and eight, now we're winning. Now we can take Davis off the field, put the horses on, right? Put the dogs on, and then we can go eat. But only because we got to second and eight, and only because we have this guy who lets us get there. So you cannot just replace that with a Marvin Wilson. It'd be awesome if you could. Defense would be so much easier if you could. But no, you don't get to because it's so hard to get a guy who's legit two for one in the running game. That's what Davis is. But you can try to in on a Thursday night uh, against the yes. Houston Texans and, 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 and that, see what that's, it looks like. That's a well-taken point. I agree with that point. Like, yeah. Let's see, it let's see what, what it looks like. Yeah. See how badly you get gashed and then uh, figure it out after that. Which they did. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out now, I, I haven't looked at just the early down, so maybe there's some late down stuff. Like, they weren't crushing it as a run defense th- this year. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at it statistically, they've been worse this year than they were last year. I mean, it's just rushing TVOA. I haven't done a big deep dive in it, but they were, when am I looking here, 20, 21st, 22nd. In, in rushing DVOA uh, defensively this year. So that was, I just feel like I don't like when a play, one player gets injured and then uh, that's the excuse for why the defense doesn't perform because I feel like you have to compare it to the rest of the NFL. So even if it's like you said, all right, he's more important, he means more, it's like losing a three down, it's the same as losing a three down player. Well, guess what? Like probably the 31 other teams have probably lost a three down player for longer than the Eagles have. I don't know, and that, you know we don't get the adjusted game. Lost yet. It should yeah. be easier to replace Davis than a three down player. That's the important thing, right? Is that like correct? Uh you you you're like, oh like, why is this defense so reliant on this player who only tw- plays 20 22 snaps, only plays 33% of the snaps? And it's like, yeah, like that feels weird. But the good news about it is that it should be easier to replace him. You just have to find solutions on first down. Because that was the only spot you were using him, and you were using him to get to long down and distances. And when they got the Texans behind the sticks, it, you're forcing Davis Mills scrambles, you're forcing sacks. They're on second and 14 throwing wide receiver screens. Like This team knew they could not get behind the sticks on the Eagles. So that's just what you got to do. You have to figure out that that first and 10 defense, whatever it is, whatever personnel package it is, to win on those that first and 10 rundown, get your second and longs, and then you can win with your corners. Then you can win with your edge rushers. But you have to be able to get to passing downs to do it. And without Davis, you have to be able to, to kind of jerry-rig it in the meantime. Uh, to your run defense point, Mina Kimes, ESPN, Eagles allowing 2.28 yards after contact per carry, worst mark in the NFL. The Eagles, uh, are by run defense, aren't highly efficient. But if they win on a run defense, it's for the stop in the first level. That's the defensive front. That's the defense tackle. Not just Davis, but everybody. When you get to the second level against the Eagles defense, and you run into Chauncey, and you run into Marcus Epps, and you run into TJ and Kaiser, then you can get through them. And that's what you start seeing with Damian Pierce, right? As Pierce gets to that, that first level, and then he just starts headhunting. Because this Eagles, this you can run through this Eagles second level. They are a lighter group, and they're not a great tackling group. 
Yeah, that that is. Uh, I, I think that is absolutely uh, true and backed up statistically. Although for most of the game, I, you know, I, I would like to take a deeper look. It hasn't felt like they're getting gashed uh, on the ground. How much of that is sort of in garbage time? How many explosive plays? I, I don't know. I would need a longer look. I mean, we haven't spent a lot of time on this podcast through eight weeks being like, man, their their run defense isn't very good. It's mm-hmm. going to cost them wins, even when we're trying to look for stuff that could be their Achilles heel. So uh, worth monitoring. Dave Damian Pierce runs 27 times for 139 yards. Eagles allow two 75-yard touchdown drives. They give up uh, 17 points. Uh, they get two turnovers. I continue. Uh, people are probably tired of hearing it. Listen, they're, they're 16th in defensive success rate. They have the highest EPA on turnovers of any defense in the NFL. If you look at them as a team, they have by far the highest margin uh, of EPA on turnovers. The difference between them and number two is the same as the difference between number two and number 11. So a, yeah. lot, of the, you know, a lot of the stuff we're looking at that they're doing well defensively is due to turnovers. Turnovers are great. Create turnovers as much as possible. That's a big part of playing defense, especially in 2022 when it's harder, uh, I guess not so much this year, but in the modern NFL where it's hard to stop opposing offenses week in and week out. But I still continue to have those kernels of doubt that when you face a good offense and maybe you don't create those turnovers, uh, how are you going to look defensively? So I, even in this game, I mean, the, the, that one turnover came what? When the Texans were in the red zone or approaching the red zone, right? The late mm-hmm. one. So that easily could have been uh, another score. But then you give them credit for making a play as well. Yeah, the uh, the broadcast put up a stat. I'm not going to remember the correct Steelers team here, but it was the the Eagles have won the turnover battle in each individual game in the first eight games of the season. The first yeah. team to do so since like the 1972 Steelers or some team like that. So just it's not just that they're so plus in the turnover margin. It's that in every single game they have won the turnover battle. There's not been a game that has been neutral. They have always won it. That's yeah, like it. That's it. Like a handicapping will tell you, right? Like, like sports betting, a team wins a turnover battle. Teams win the football game. Period. Yeah. You know. So, so like this, this is such a huge thing for the Eagles so far. And it felt there for a second, right? Like you saw that Jalen Hurts fumble. It was seven seven. They were driving. All they gave the fumble. It's like, oh, is this going to be the knucklehead game? Is this going to be the stupid three turnover game for the Eagles offense? Circle the wagons. No more mistakes. It wasn't an interceptable pass. The, the next issue was the. The Jalen Hurts strip when he was he was trying to run the clock, right? And Jason Kelsey fell back on it, which was like late in a two-score game. And, you know, you you turn that ball over, you feel dumb, but you're not super worried about it, right? So they they even when they have, like, they, Hurts has had early turnovers, bad games now. Like, yeah, the, the Jacksonville turnover right away, right? He had this fumble here. They don't spiral on those turnovers. And that's, it's worth something. There will be a game. It's going to come yeah. where they have three turnovers. But for right now, it, it's worth something. It's to their credit. Uh Defense cannot go unmentioned. Career game, three sacks to Von Hargrave. Ooh. Yeah. Baby. Contract yeah. year. Yeah. Uh one of those came from the nose position too, right? Talk about your 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 what you do and don't get from Jordan Davis. You start putting Jay Von Hargrave at the nose. You start seeing pass rush up the middle. Uh he yeah. gave Scott Scott Questenberry the old okie doke in a tight space. Uh just such a good penetration player. It's just if he can win right now. He's a little bowling ball. He's so tough to get hands back on. He's he had he had the near missed sack as well, where he was on Davis Mills at a flash, dude. Uh, his ability to get upfield from the interior is really, really, really cool. Uh, best pass rushing game we've seen from an Eagles interior off a defensive lineman in the last couple of seasons, which is a Fletcher Cox subtweet, but deserves to be mentioned. Big game for big game for Hargrave. 
And he's in a good stretch, too. This wasn't just a one-game thing. I think he played well last game. He's in a nice little... Five sacks um, in the last two games. Here. There uh, you go. And then Chauncey now has four uh, interception of four <laughs> consecutive games. First Ooh, Eagle His since, agent is having yeah. a good night. First Eagle with four consecutive INTs since a guy in the 70s named Sean something i can't remember it just sean john gnu okay. tweeted out from the eagles uh pr department we'll find right. it <laughs> all right uh bill I'll bradley 1972 here we are okay there you go uh gardner johnson makes some nice catches i'll give him that you know we, we kind of poke some fun about right place right time it's yeah. not always him but he gets his hands underneath that football there every time i'm kind of like did he get that or are they going to replay that and it hit the ground and his hands are underneath it every time so he de- deserves credit for finishing those plays uh that are there for sure yep. so yeah he gardner has five johnson picks happened. every single one of them has been a pressure or a pbu by somebody else and but all five yeah. of them been tough catches too and like, yeah. dbs drop footballs man this it is he is proving like literally like 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 case in point if a db practices catching you will get interceptions don't practice other things pass breakups reading routes useless just know how to catch the football ball ball will find you if you're a db just be ready for the moment robert quinn played just seven snaps according to uh true media pro yep. football focus so that, that that's interesting Kayvon wallace on the field for 11 snaps, what is it? Do, do we need to keep using? Is that just the, the dime uh, uh, yeah. package that they're using? No one got injured, right? They were playing yeah, with 60 so, Bs on those plays? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's... So he, he, he's in the goal line package, uh, which they uh, the touchdown to... I'm not even going to remotely attempt to pronounce that young man's name, that tight end who caught the first touchdown for the... T- Quentin the Tarantino, t- as someone yes, tweeted. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, good, great, good coverage, good body positioning. Inaccurate ball from Davis Mills. Incredible catch by Quentin Tarantino. Unlucky for Kayvon. <laughs> Later in the game, so that's goal line package. He's also in their dime stuff. They're like 4-1-6. Uh, so like four rush linemen. TJ just kind of like in the middle. And then they have their three corners, who they love. Avante Slay, Bradbury, two safeties, Chauncey and Epps, who they love. And then it's time for the sixth DB to come on the field. And that's where you remember, shoot, the corner room right now is Zach McPherson and josiah scott right like yeah Kayvon had 11 snaps on 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 uh, defense he was the sixth defensive back to get snaps no other defensive backs got snaps right so there's no fourth corner comes on the field it's Kayvon. they bring chauncey down into the slot Kayvon plays the deep half you have the you have uh, two two players i'm pretty sure it was, it was chauncey and james bradbury both go to the flat ball to philip dorsett Kayvon nails the catch point ball wriggles a little bit and you can't see on the replay if it hits the ground because Kayvon's body's in the way. So solid performance in coverage. Extremely unlucky catch points <laughs> leading to two very major catches for Kayvon Wallace. All he's, right. Yeah. He, like, he's where he's supposed to be, but he doesn't have like high-level instincts, high-level ball sticks, or high, ball, high-level instincts, high-level ball skills, or high-level measurables. So he's got to be able to make the plays when they're there, and he wasn't able to make them tonight. They need a, be- a better sixth defensive back than Kayvon offers them, than Josiah offers them. Kayvon's a, a special teamer, right? Like Kayvon's their like personal protector on punts. Like that's what he's supposed to be. Yeah. He shouldn't be their sixth defensive back on the field. That was a more favorable review, I thought, than I was going to get for uh, Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon, Kayvon is a is a is a likable player because he's very physical and he's he's explosive, right? And like a big part of why he's struggled to, I think, gain traction in the Eagles defensive backfield is because his physical play style is invited injury. He's been so banged up in the first couple of years of his career. 
you know, uh, if only's and just for candies and nuts, right? At this point, there's other safeties on the roster, right? Like, it's nice that they're playing Kayvon. They should probably see what Reed Blankenship can do, right? They should probably see what Josiah Scott can do in the four, as the fourth corner and leave Chauncey back there. Like, I just, you, Kayvon was a fourth round pick in what, 2019, 2020? 2020. At this point, we're far enough into his career that he doesn't, he shouldn't be getting reps over the other guys because of draft capital. I'm not sure that's yeah. what's happening. There's a chance that they just think he's flat better than that than those guys. They don't have, uh, yeah, yeah. They and, might and, not and like, like I the said, other guys. neither one of those catches are bad plays from Kayvon. In both of them, he's like, where he's supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. It's just you're not making plays. So uh, at this point, you're on the roster for special teams. You, if you're going to get 11 snaps against the Texans and you're going to get multiple targets, make a pass breakup, and you're more likely to get 11 snaps next week. So it's just an, an opportunity for a young player that, again, like it, the film will look good. It's just you wish he's able to to make a play on the ball in one of those instances. Eagles are, going back to the point we were just talking about, Eagles are plus 15 on turnovers this season. Uh, what do you think the number two team is at? Plus 11. Plus six. No, get out of Dodge. There's no way. Yeah, the Ravens and the Cowboys and the Vikings are all tied for two at plus six. So they have they've are, are more, they are plus nine compared to any other Holy team Moses. in the NFL in turnovers. The, the difference between the Eagles and number two is the same as number two and number 23. Sweet massive Christmas, man. Massive uh, You put this thing on a bar advantage. chart. It's a funny-looking bar chart. Let's make yeah. a, I'm making a bar chart and <laughs> tweeting it. Now, they have coming up, their next two quarterbacks are Tyler Heineke, and uh, Sam Ellinger, their next two games, and then they get then it gets a, then it gets a little more fun. I think then you get Rodgers and the Packers, you get the Titans, you get a couple against the Giants. The Cowboys are mixed in there, so all right, they get a couple more that I would describe as as gimmies. They get the Commanders on Monday night. They'll right. they're at home. They'll, they'll be big favorites in that game. Then they're at the Colts. They'll be big favorites in that game. Uh, and then Packers, Titans. I mean, these are teams that will at least be competing for a playoff spot. The Giants, regardless of what you think about them, they'll be competing uh, for a playoff spot given their record. You get the Bears in there. who have shown some more signs of life offensively the past couple games. That Christmas Eve game uh, at Dallas is obviously going to be a huge one. So they get a big break here. I mean, they just had their bye, and now they get this big break where they don't have to play again until November 14th. What's today? November 4th. So yeah. so 10-day break here before their next game. That's that's pretty nice. I don't Love know that, you know. It's nice for the players, and then they'll be back at it on, on for that. I will game at say, home. you asking me, uh, you know, or you you posing the hypothetical, like I wonder how the fans will feel about this. The number of fans, like when I was tweeting about Jordan Davis tonight, the number of fans I had being like, "When's that Titans game? Is he back for that Titans game?" Because they had just seen what Derrick Henry did to this defense, yeah, and they're he wondering, looks, "Henry looks awesome." If Damian Pierce is doing this to us, uh, what do we have coming down the mountain? And while the Eagles' schedule is soft, as we brought up, it's the weakest by DVOA remaining, Commanders-Colts, pretty easy games. You start to get some good running teams on the schedule, right? Like the Colts... Packers ran to, for over 200 yeah. last week The Colts uh, are supposed to be a good running team. They obviously yeah. aren't because the line's bad. But after them, yeah. Packers been running the ball really well. Titans, obvious. Giants with, with, with the quarterback run game. Uh, Bears, Justin Fields, but they also run the ball really well. Clear Herbert and David yeah. Montgomery. Uh, Cowboys... Saints, Giants. The the entire end of the schedule is good running teams. Now, how competitive will the Eagles care about being by week like fifteen at this rate? Who knows? But if you're if you are like me, 
looking for the loss to make sure this team isn't undefeated entering the playoffs because that's the worst thing you can think of at this time. One of these running teams, for as long as Jordan Davis is out, these teams that can really run the football, control the clock, those are the teams to be considering uh, and being a little scared of. Well, now that you mentioned it, what do you have as their as their first loss? You mean the schedule? <laughs> home Commanders at Colts, Home Packers, Home Titans, at Giants, at Bears, at Cowboys, Home Saints, Home Giants. Titans is going to be a tough game. I mean, the Titans... I'm like, looking at that... Pa- I think they lose one of those two, Packers yeah. or Titans. So the Titans right now are 5-2, and two, and the Titans are just like... They are so... No team in the league is better at dragging you into the muck, bringing you into this the deep water and making you play their football game. They've been this way under Brable for years. Like, if you look at the games they've played, right? Like, they had the one-point loss to the Giants, missed field goal, and then, okay, got blown out by the Bills. Very sad. Two-point win over the Raiders. Seven-point win over the Colts. Four-point win over the Commanders. Nine-point win over the Colts. Seven-point win over the Texans. All these games, like low 20s, high 10s. It's just, they just make you play ugly, ugly football. They get Chiefs, Broncos, Packers, Bengals before they get the Eagles. So there's a chance they're like still fighting for the AFC South. There's a chance it's like a very motivated team coming in against the Eagles and needs a win. I could see that, like, you know, I feel like I've said this 10,000 times. I could see them making the Eagles play a low scoring <laughs> game, high mistakes. They have a good defensive front. The Eagles keep beating these teams. So eventually, you know, I'm just beating a dead horse. Um, but again, I'm desperately trying to find a loss because I do not want this team to be undefeated because to me, that's very scary. First world problems. He does not want the team First to be First world undefeated. problems. All right, Benjamin, anything else you wanted to get off, off your chest about this Eagles team? Yeah, Jake Elliott, 37% chance to make a 54-yard kick next-gen stats? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. It's much higher than that. It's obviously not 100% because he missed it, but Jake Elliott's Yeah, he did miss it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, I found that very peculiar. Um, I forgot it was the Cam Johnson revenge game, so congrats to Cam Johnson. All right, there you go. All right. That was me and Benny Souls. I don't know when we'll be back. I'd like that we get to watch the film before Sunday if we yeah, want to. That's always clips. a nice treat. Have some time. Yeah, of a, of a Thursday night game. We'll figure out when we're going to talk about the film. Uh, we'll do that. And then we'll, of course, look ahead to a Monday night game against the Commanders. We'll see what happens this week with the other teams in the NFC. We'll keep our eye on that. Maybe we'll do some mailbag stuff next week to fill the time. All right, thanks to Ben Solak. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back after the break, and it's not going to be as sunny talking about this Phillies loss, but we'll talk about the Phillies loss and what's ahead this weekend in games six and seven. So stay tuned for that. And Benjamin Solak, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Sheil. Go Phils. Phils and seven. Fight Phils. All right, let's talk about it. Phillies drop game five, three to two. Down 3-2 in the series as it goes back to Houston on Saturday night. I've got five takeaways. Let's get to them. Number one, I thought they lost this game by not taking advantage of Verlander early on. I mean, I thought they had him on the ropes in so many of these innings. Second inning, Segura singles, Marsh walks, Schwarber walks, bases loaded, two outs with Hoskins up. Hoskins strikes out. Hoskins had a tough night, 0 for 5 with four strikeouts he had the in the field he didn't field the ball cleanly in the eighth when Altuve scored that ended up being a huge run he really had a tough tough outing see if he can give them anything when the series goes back to Houston so that's the second inning third inning Bryce Harper walks Castellanos smokes one I mean you look at the the stats from this game was the third hardest hit ball in this entire game 
I thought it was one of the hardest hits I can remember. Castellanos having all postseason, maybe all season, he smokes it. Jeremy Pena makes that great play, snags it out of the air. If you look at it, that ball had an expected batting average of 770, and it turns into an out. So that's the third inning. Bohm still singles after Castellanos. You still have two on, two out for Stott, but Stott flies out. You, again, you get nothing in that inning. That's the second inning. That's the third inning. Then you go to the fifth inning. Harper doubles, two outs. Castellanos, again up, rips one down the third baseline. It goes foul. He actually has... Uh, I thought it was a great at-bat. I mean, listen, we're used to these Castellanos at-bats where he's swinging. I swear he swings at the first pitch every time, either fouls it off, whiffs, or hits a a lazy fly ball. This was a 10-pitch at-bat. He was battling up there, but he ends up flying out after that foul ball. So think about that. Okay, Justin Verlander pitches five innings. He had one clean inning. I mean, Schwarber has the home run in the first. I just outlined the second, third, and the fifth. All of those innings, you had a runner in scoring position and you failed to capitalize all three times. I know you can't come through every single time, but my gosh, you needed one of those. You needed one of those to come through one of those two out hits. They got none against Verlander. I really thought looking back, that's kind of where this game was lost. All right. Takeaway number two. I kept thinking they were going to do it, honestly, all the way until the final out. Castellanos makes the final out in the bottom of the ninth. I thought they had it in this game. I mean, I thought they were just getting unlucky. They had so many opportunities. The bullpen was coming through. I felt like they were going to make it happen. This was very different than game three. I mean, game three, obviously, you get no hit. The game's over. You're barely paying attention the last, uh, what, three or four innings there. You're just wondering if the Phillies are going to get a hit. But, you know, it's not your night. That wasn't this game. They had opportunities. Sixth inning, Verlander goes out. They bring in Neris. Bohm has the leadoff single. There's that weird play in the outfield where McCormick and Tucker, they don't communicate. And then finally at the last second, they make the catch. It looked like that ball uh, had a chance to kind of just fall and the Phillies were going to catch a break. Marsh gets hit by a pitch. Again, two on, two out. How many times can I say this? This is the sixth inning. Oh my gosh, four. What is that? Four of the first six innings, you had a runner in scoring position, and you don't knock him in again. It was two on, two out. Schwarber grounds out uh, to end the sixth inning. Keep going. I still thought, all right, sixth inning didn't work out. Fifth inning didn't work out. Second inning, third inning. They're getting guys on. It's just going to take one hit. You don't need seven runs to win this game. You need three or four runs to tie or win this game. I kept thinking it was going to happen. Eighth inning, Castellanos, leadoff walk. I mean, if that wasn't a sign that something good should happen. I don't know what is. Castellanos, a patient at bat, drawing a walk. He draws a walk. Stott draws a walk. Segura singles. The crowd's going nuts. Everybody's into it. It's 3-2. You're down 3-2. Marsh is up first and third. Oh, man, I thought that that was such a key at bat. I mean, he just kind of looked helpless up there. He strikes out. Still think you have a chance. It's the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth. Last home game at Citizens Bank Park this year. Schwarber's up. You got a chance. You got a chance to take the lead. He smokes one down the first baseline, but it's right at Mancini. Mancini scoops it up. And again, another inning where you had such a great opportunity to score and you can't make it happen. And then, of course, 
the ninth. Oh my goodness. My stomach was in knots after this one. Real Muto crushes one to the wall. And Chaz McCormick, the kid from Westchester, they've mentioned 30 times during this series, makes an unbelievable leaping grab at the ball for the out. I mean, you look at that hit, 102.4 miles per hour off the bat. Real Muto, who was struggling just like Hoskins was, honestly, all night, uh, gets a hold of it there in a big spot. That ball had a 690 expected batting average, and McCormick makes the leaping grab. So again, ninth inning, once again, you have an opportunity in a big spot and you don't come through. I mean, how many innings have I just mentioned? The second, third, fifth, sixth, eighth, ninth, six of the nine innings. And I'm not even talking about the first one. You actually did uh, get a run there. You had six of the nine innings where it really felt like you had opportunities to put runs on the board. I really feel like if you played those at bats out a hundred times, you're coming out of there with more than two runs on so many of those occasions. Uh, that was not the case tonight. If you look at it overall, there were 16 hits in this game with an exit velocity of 95 miles per hour or higher. I don't know if it's standard that those are considered hard hit balls, but uh, certainly in some circles, those are considered hard hit balls. So 16 hard hit balls. Phillies had 11 of them. 11 of the 16, they come away with just two runs. They had 12 base runners, 12 base runners. And you come away with just two runs. You can look at expected batting average on all of these uh, balls that are put in play. They had There were 12 hits in this game with an expected batting average of 500 or more. Phillies had nine of them. Phillies had nine of the 12. So that's why I say, man, at the very least, this felt like a toss-up game. It felt like a game that the Phillies, you play it out uh, over and over again, that they're absolutely going to win this game a lot of those times. It didn't happen. In this, I mean, how many infield signals or little blooping singles or hits to beat the shift have the Astros had, and then the Phillies have these hard-hit balls that just get caught and don't lead to anything? All right, takeaway number three. This was not how I expected them to lose this game. I thought they were going to win the game, first of all, as I mentioned before the game and during the game. But I thought, you know what? If they lose this game, it'll probably just be the bullpen stuff's going to catch up to them. I mean, how many games can these relievers come in and just deliver strong outings? But I didn't think it was going to play out like this. I mean, their bullpen gave them everything. Cindergaard. Starts the game, gives up two runs in three innings. Uh, I thought he pitched well coming out there. I thought that's all you could really ask from him. And then Brogdon, Alvarado, Dominguez, Robertson, Eflin, they combined for one earned run in six innings. Man, if you would have told me before the game, hey, those guys are going to combine for one earned run in six innings, I would have said Phillies are winning this game. I thought if they lost, it'd be a high-scoring game. You know, maybe you give up six, seven runs. Uh, you get some hits, but it's just not enough. The relievers get crushed. It's not what happened. The bullpen pitched great. The bullpen has kept them in this in these games. I mean, this series, getting to 3-2, this isn't the way I thought they were going to get to 3-2, where Nola hasn't pitched well, where Wheeler didn't pitch well, but the bullpen uh, comes through. I didn't think they were going to get no hit in a game. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people thought they might be going back to Houston 3-2 when the series started. You might have said, all right, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's not going to be easy, even if they do win, but didn't think this was going to be the path that would lead them there. All right. Takeaway number four, it's a little low key, but defense was a huge difference in this game. 
Marsh, first inning. And, and Marsh is a very good center fielder. I mean, his range has been outstanding. You've seen it in this series. But he had the error in the first that got Altuve to third base. And then Altuve scores. You know, he bobbles that ball there as Altuve is getting to second base. And then Altuve gets the extra base and ends up scoring on the uh, on the Pena single. So listen, maybe uh, he scores anyway. Who knows? But, I mean, that led directly to a run. And then the Hoskins thing I mentioned, eighth inning, if he feels that grounder cleanly, you know, maybe Altuve doesn't score there. Maybe you have a play at home or he doesn't even try to score if he feels that ball uh, cleanly. So that's two of the three runs. I mean, they only scored three runs and two of them, uh, whether directly or indirectly or the defense contributed to it, however you want to term it, uh, the defense contributed to two of those three runs. And then you look at the Astros. They got the Mancini play against Schwarber. They've got the McCormick catch versus Real Muto. And they've got the Pena snag uh, versus Castellanos. I mean, that's that's three plays right there that their defense kind of saved them. They saved runs with their defense. Phillies gave up a couple runs potentially with their defense. So listen, I'm not giving Keith Hernandez any credit. If he's listening right now, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, gas him up at all. But man, uh, you know, we've seen it all year. You were hoping it wouldn't hurt him in a big spot. And it wasn't like direct in this game or it was a huge error in a big spot where you thought, all right, it's the defense came back to bite him. But when you kind of zero in on it a little bit and say, what was the difference in a one run game? The defense certainly uh, played a role there. All right. Takeaway number five. Let's end on a positive. It's not over yet. It's not over. It's not three three zero. You know they're not in danger of getting swept. It's three two. This team has battled all season long. That's been their identity. Uh, when the chips are down, they respond. Just when you're ready to give up on them, uh, they respond. They come through. They've been doing it the entire season. That's why they've been so fun, or at least since since the Girardi hiring. We we don't talk about those early months, but that's why they've been so fun. And so it's an uphill climb. There's no doubt about it, but you do have Wheeler on the mound Saturday night, and we got the little recency bias going on. Did not pitch well in his first start, no doubt. It was ugly. You didn't really, you know, you weren't competitive in that game, but Wheeler was has been fantastic in the postseason prior to that World Series start. So uh, is it that he's out of gas? The velocity was down. Is it anything injury related? Maybe. Or maybe he just had a bad game and that's not who he is. And he's not going to have two bad starts in a row. And he's going to come through in a big spot. I mean, before the series, if you would have said, hey, Wheeler's on the mound, you're down 3-2, game six. You would have liked your chances getting to a game seven. And so uh, I don't want that one start to weigh too much about how we think about Zach Wheeler and whether he can come through on Saturday night. So uh, once you get to game seven, listen, all hands are on deck. Anything can happen. Everybody, all pitchers are available to you pretty much. Uh, Pressure's on both teams. It's uh, win or go home. Season's ending one way or another. So let's see if they can just get to that game seven. I picked the Phillies before this series in seven. I'm going to stick to that. I'm not giving up yet. Uh, Phillies are plus 450 if you like looking at the sports betting markets. That gives them roughly equates to like an 18% chance. So it's not a great chance. It's not a terrible chance. It's not 5%. Uh, It's roughly one out of five times uh, they come back and win this series. So maybe, maybe this will be that one out of roughly five times 
that they do it. All right. Thanks to everyone for joining me. These Phillies post-game pods have been fun. I thought given the loss, given the Eagles, I would just do kind of a solo edition uh, tonight. We'll see what we want to do this weekend. We'll see if we have one more left. We'll see if we have two more left. One way or another, uh, this this series is over by the end of the weekend, which in one way kind of sucks because this team has been so fun and it's been so fun to have these games in our lives for the last three or four weeks. On the other hand, I don't know how much more uh, we could honestly take of playoff baseball. I mean, that ninth inning when Real Muto hit that ball and McCormick came down with it, uh, I, I had uh, I had the the knots in the stomach like you do when you're a, a little kid and you can't believe something didn't go your way as a young uh, sports fan. So that feeling kind of came back to me there. All right. Some of you have asked for, for Naya updates. Naya was watching. Naya fell asleep on the couch. We weren't sure. Do we wake her up when they cut it to uh three, two. So uh, I'm sure she's going to catch up tomorrow. Uh, listen, three, three games in a row with, she's been going to school. We're not sending her in late. So, uh, I can understand why she's tired. She's, she's not caffeinated or anything like, like, like I am. So, uh, she'll stay up this weekend and we will see what happens. All right. Thanks to Benny Souls. Uh, Cliff tells me we're going to have a Sixers episode on this feed in the next couple days talking about that James Harden injury. I'll be back Saturday night after game six of the World Series, and maybe I'll be back game seven after the World Series on Sunday. And then Ben and I will be back to break down the Eagles film and look ahead to their game against the Commanders next week. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Ringers Philly special. We will talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.